have been spending the last uh, several weeks in the Gospel of Luke, uh, looking at the mission of Jesus in the Gospel. Jesus launches into his ministry in Luke chapter 4, saying, He has sent me to bring and preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And each week we have been looking at different passages through the Gospel of Luke that reinforce this picture, reinforce this, this mission of Jesus to proclaim good news. As Stuart shared with us last week, uh, looking at the go- at looking at John the Baptist coming and saying, "Jesus, are you really who you said you were?" And Jesus confirms, "Yes, you have witnessed these incredible things to happen." Uh, this morning, Deesta is going to be coming and, and sharing with us from Luke chapter seven, starting in verse thirty six. If you want to be turning there, as we continue to look in at this mission of Jesus, who he is, and what he has come to do. Uh, Paul Brandon is going to be reading our passage for us this morning. Diesta, thank you for this opportunity to bring the word of the Lord to the congregation. Luke seven thirty six through 50. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke to him and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now which of them would love him more? Simon answered, I suppose, the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. Then, turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you offered me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven, little loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. But those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Thank you, Paul. 
for reading that passage for me. And thank you, Jason, for this gracious invitation for me to speak again to you today. I've told several people who wish me well, and I say, you know, all I know is I have a great text. This is a great story from the Gospel of Luke. And one thing we know from the Gospel of Luke is that Jesus loved a good dinner with friends. Someone has said that in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is either at a meal, going to a meal, or coming from a meal. So much so that the passage just before this one that Paul read says that his, uh, that his critics say of him that he is a glutton and a drunkard. And furthermore, he eats with tax collectors and sinners. But now, Jesus has been invited to eat with a Pharisee. So he accepts the invitation, and we learn as the passage progresses that the Pharisee's name is Simon. And so he goes to the home of Simon to eat with him. And there are others there, probably other friends of Simon's. And so Jesus, when he takes his place at table, a woman comes into the scene and stands behind him. Now let's draw, paint the picture a little more clearly. He didn't pull up a chair like we do and sit at a dining room table like I have in my house. They had low-lying tables and they had cushions around and the, and the guests reclined at table. Therefore, their feet were behind them as they reclined at table. So the woman comes and stands behind Jesus. And Luke tells us she has brought an alabaster jar of ointment. So she has come with a purpose in mind. She knows that Jesus will be there. And she begins washing his feet with her tears and drying them with her hair. <coughs> Excuse me, I've been getting over a cough, so I may cough once in a while, but I'm prepared. Got all kinds of stuff, cough drops. <laughs> now where was I? <laughs> So she bursts into this scene, and when she does, she injects a powerful contagion into the room, because as Jesus and Simon both say, she is a sinner. In fact, Jesus says her sins were many. So Simon begins to think to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Can you hear the contempt in Simon's voice? At least that's what I hear in it. He would know who and what kind of woman this is 
who is touching him. I almost feel he says, ooh, you know, and gets a little shiver up his spine because she is a sinner. Now, because of the description of her, um, she is described as a woman of the city, a public woman. And she is a woman who, whom Simon regards as a sinner and of whom Jesus says her sins were many. And so it is fair for us to conclude that this woman is probably a prostitute. In fact, that would be her profession. She is a prostitute by profession in the eyes of Simon. She is a whore by status. And she is unclean by, in terms of ritual purity, a sinner. And so she comes to, G, to this scene, a prostitute who we learn has had an earlier contact with Jesus. Now, we could ask the question, in that world, how did women or why did women become prostitutes? I mean, who would choose this life? In that, in that society, social world, if she has lost her male representative in the world, has no male agency, she is a woman alone, she has no means of support, she has no one to care for her, to provide for her, to be her voice, to, be, to represent her in the public setting. She may be a widow, she may be divorced, and she has no male children, she has no husband, no family to support her. Or she may have been sold by her family to pay a debt, and therefore she ends up in prostitution. And so this, that's our woman that comes into this scene. Now let's look at Simon for a moment. Simon, on the other hand, is a Pharisee. He would be considered a righteous man. He is, um, as a Pharisee, a teacher of Israel. He is also a keeper of the boundaries. He is a guardian of the purity system. Now the purity system functioned to protect and preserve the purity of Israel. And so those who were unclean, those who were lepers, who were uh, demon-possessed, who had illnesses, who, you know, we know them well, we know their stories already in the Gospel of Luke as Jesus heals them and as he preaches among them the, the poor, those who, some of them had, had uh, professions that deemed them unclean, such as tax collectors and prostitutes. Others had illnesses, others were demon-possessed, others may have leprosy, others may have come from countries that we don't like, like Samaria. Or they were just, they were non-Jews, and so they were Gentiles. And we know that, that Jews in that world considered Gentiles, and especially Samaritans, as dogs. 
And so it was easy to label these people, to call them sinners, to call them unclean, to call them expendable, because they were among the dispossessed and the marginal. And these are the people to whom Jesus brings good news. Let's be, let's be clear about this, that the people that surrounded Jesus in his ministry, that he healed, that he uh, cast demons from, that he forgave sins, um, these are the people that are considered by the keepers of the purity system to be unclean, to be sinners. And they fell into this category of either righteous or sinner. And so these were the sinners. Remember the statement that Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners. We, in Bible class today, we talked about the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus talked, said, this is like uh, Jesus' meal with, the, with his friends, that he invites them and he feeds them. Well, these people that are here with him would have been considered sinners. <coughs> so Simon thinks to himself, if Jesus only knew who and what sort of woman this is that is touching him, but he also calls into question Jesus as a prophet. He says if he were a prophet, he would know. The truth is, Jesus knows something that Simon does not know. But uh, at least in Simon's mind, Jesus cannot be a prophet and let this woman touch him. And so Jesus breaks the awkward silence and says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon says, Teacher, speak. And then he says, a man had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii. The other owed him 50. And when they could not pay the debt, he forgave them both. Now, which one do you think will love him most? And Simon says, and I kind of think begrudgingly, because he says, I suppose <laughs> it's the one for whom the greater debt was forgiven. And Jesus says, Simon, you have judged rightly. Then my favorite part of the story, Jesus shifts the center of attention. He, he turns he has been looking at Simon. He now turns toward the woman. And, and so the text says, so turning toward the woman, he says, Simon, do you see this woman? Do you see her? You know, all he has seen is a sinful woman has entered his home, a prostitute, and he can't see beyond the label. He can't see her. He can't see her tears. 
he can't see her in another light than just that she poses a threat to his, his environment. She has introduced a powerful contagion. You know, we're all very much aware of what's in the air right now. I'm coughing, some of you are coughing, I hear you. <laughs> I'm glad you're here with me. You know what it feels like. You know, and Stuart and I both have been fighting coughs and, and colds. Our son, who works at UNM Hospital, uh, was sick this weekend. I said, well, what do you think you have? He said, I don't know, but I'm exposed to it all. <laughs> well, you know, we're very much aware of the contagions that are in the air. So Stuart and I went out to um, uh, Costco. Where else would we go? <laughs> We went to Costco and we bought an air purifier and we brought it home, plugged it in and a red light flashed telling us that our air quality was bad. You know, after it's been on a while, then it turns blue. So when this woman walked in, the red light began to flash. You know, she is contaminated and she is contaminating Jesus by touching him and kissing him and uh, this is all from Simon's perspective. So now Jesus invites Simon to look at her, to see her. And what I, want, what I see here is that Simon represents the old order of things. This exclusion, protection, keeping our purity, excluding those who are unclean, those who are sinners, those who are questionable, those whom we don't want because they are not like us and, and protecting the righteous. That system with the purity system and all that it entails is passing away. Jesus represents a new order of things where there are no boundaries, where there are no purity systems that say you're not worthy, where, where, he, where you're not excluded but included and invited and welcomed to the table. <coughs> and so Jesus, and I've lost my, where I am in the story. So when, oh, so when Jesus says, do you see this woman? What I see in Jesus here is the character of God. We, we can see throughout all of the Old Testament examples time and time again where God sees his people. In Luke's gospel, in the first chapter, we are introduced to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is a woman who carries shame because she is barren. In fact, the, the angel says to Mary that your kinswoman Elizabeth is pregnant with child the one who is called barren. A woman, a woman in her old age is still called by her neighbors and her friends the barren one. So she carries a label of shame. And when she learns that she is with child, by miracle of God, she says, for the Lord has looked upon me to take away my reproach from among men. And Mary, when she sings her hymn, 
she says, for he has looked upon the lowly estate of his handmaiden, and he who is mighty has done great things for me. And so now Jesus, as he is in this room with this woman, invites, invites Simon and us to look at her, to look at her as God would see her. You know, surely she could stand with Mary and Elizabeth and say, for he has looked upon me in the lowliest state of his servant, and he who is mighty has done great things for me. In fact, we could all say that, could we not? That he who is mighty has done great things for me. And then he says to Simon, look at her. She, you did not offer me water for my feet. Now this is common courtesy when you welcome a guest into your home, that you provide water so that they can feet, wash their feet. But this woman has washed my feet with her tears and has dried them with her hair. You did not offer me a kiss, Simon, but she has not ceased kissing my feet. And you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. I tell you, Simon, her sins, which were many, and I love that Jesus speaks of her sins in the past tense. Throughout the story, she has been spoken of as a sinner in the present tense. She is a sinner. But Jesus says her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. So you see, she's, Jesus is trying to re reinterpret this woman for Simon. Help him see her in a different light that what she is doing is an expression of great love. Jesus doesn't try to, to um, sugarcoat her sins at all. He tells us they were many. But I want to tell you something. To the God of heaven and to Jesus Christ, his son, she w was deemed worthy of, God, of God's mercy and his grace and was forgiven of her sins and so simon needs to see her in this light that she really is not a sinner at all she has been forgiven she has come to his feast out of great gratitude and out of deep love to wash the feet of jesus to give an expression of her gratitude for what he has done for her. For the Lord has done great things for me. And what it does for her, it brings her out of her life, gives her her life back. It makes things new again. You know, I look at her and I think, she has brought her broken life to Jesus. Would she have brought her broken life to Simon? Who who just sees a sinful woman, does not see who she is, doesn't see beyond her label. 
but she brings her broken life to Jesus. Makes me think of that song we used to sing. We used to sing, Jean, bring Christ your broken life, so marred by sin. He will create anew, make whole again. And that's what's happened to this woman. She has been made whole again. When we studied this passage in Our Lady's Bible class on Thursday morning, one of the women in the class said, so what does she do now? Where does she go? I mean, it's a good question. She has no family. She has no male agency in the world. Where does she go? And who supports her? I mean, she can't go down to Walmart and apply for a job or to the Social Security office and maybe be eligible for something. She is still a woman alone in the world. Now, that's such a good question. But I think it's answered for us, or perhaps it is, in the very next verse, in, in uh, Luke 8, verses 1 through 3. It says that Jesus soon afterwards went through the cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom. And the twelve were with him, and also some women from whom he had cast evil spirits and healed of many infirmities. And among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. And the wife of Herod's servant, Chusa, Joanna, and also Susanna. And many others who followed him and gave of their means. Now, I don't know if this woman followed Jesus, but if I had been this woman, I would have followed Jesus. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you have followed Jesus? And so I think it's a great possibility that that was her alternative. She, because she is now enveloped into the new family of God, she has a fellowship. She has a place to belong with the people of God, and she follows Jesus. Now, whether Simon saw her in this new light or not, we do not know. But one thing I think about, remember in Mary's hymn when she says that the rich, that the poor receive good things and the rich are sent away empty. It's possible that Simon went away empty while this woman received good things. It speaks to the heart. You know, if we can admit and acknowledge the depth of our sins, we can experience this kind of love, this kind of gratitude. But Simon, in his antiseptic life, maintaining ritual purity, a righteous one who keeps the law, may have trouble admitting the depth of his sin and being able to bring his broken life to Jesus. So I think that we, as we look at this, 
that there is something perhaps in Simon, of Simon in many of us, that we live antiseptive religious lives. And it's hard for us to identify with those who, have, who come broken and seeking healing. And I think that we need to learn from this woman what it is to know and to express deep gratitude for what God has done for her. Now, those that are in the room with, with Simon at the meal say, who is this that even forgives sins? Jesus has been healing the sick. He healed the paralytic man and forgave his sins. And now he forgives this woman's sins. But it, the implications are great. It suggests that he is more than a prophet. In fact, Jesus is accused by the Pharisees of being a blasphemer because he claims to forgive sins, and only God can forgive sins. And so it tells us something about Jesus, the Son of God who came to, to um, save his people from their sins and to preach the good news to the poor. And that's what Jesus has been doing, preaching good news to the poor, healing their, their illnesses, restoring their lives, and forgiving their sins. And so he too calls us, I think this story calls us to come to the feet of Jesus. I love the songs we sang today that brought us to the feet of Jesus. To come to his feet with our broken lives, expressing the kind of gratitude and experiencing the kind of love that comes with having a great debt forgiven. And so in a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing and have, have a time of prayer. And I will lead us in a prayer to begin that season of time. But let's keep in mind that it takes humility and it takes acknowledgement of who we are in order to come and lay our broken lives down, to, to uh, come to the feet of Jesus and express the gratitude that we feel in our hearts for what he has done for us. So we're going to sing Just As I Am. I love this song. You know, my father was a preacher, and back in those days we used to sing 15 verses of it <laughs> over and over and over again, you know, so that you never listen to the words anymore. You just kind of, you know. But the first stanza says, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. So let's stand, but first let's have a word of prayer. Well, go ahead and stand, and we'll pray together. So find someone to, that you would like to pray with or pray to yourself. I would say pray a prayer of gratitude for what God has done. 
express the deep love that you feel for the cleansing and for the, the salvation that you have in Jesus. And I would say also, you may have a broken life that you want to bring to the feet of Jesus. If so, there are those who will be up here at front to, to um, receive you and pray with you. I'm beginning to sound like my father, the revivalist preacher. But this sermon calls us to the feet of Jesus, does it not? Does it not call us to acknowledge the depth and the burden of our sins? And we can leave it here. So let's pray together. Dear God, our Father, who art in heaven, we thank you that you have sent Jesus, not only to save us, but to be a wonderful example to us of compassion and of mercy, and who teaches us to see those around us who are in need. And we're grateful, O oh God, for what he has done for us. And we are grateful, O oh God, for this church, that our doors are open and that anyone can come, can accept and hear the invitation of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.